0: Creepy is defined as an adjective, referring to something that causes feelings of unease, distress, or fear. But what if that's the stuff you're into? August 24th and 25th CreepyCon comes to the Knoxville Convention Center, a celebration of horror, Halloween, and all things creepy. Featuring the Rigger and Mortis Brothers traveling sideshow, a zombie beauty pageant, the Scream Queen contest, a Halloween cake contest, film screenings, and more. Appearances from Naomi Grossman from American Horror Story, Santiago Cirillo from The Walking Dead, The Haunted Travelers, Richard Ruland and J.B. Coates, the cast of all your favorite stage diver radio podcasts, paranormal investigators from across the nation, and more. Get your VIP package now so you won't miss any of the festivities. For tickets and more info, go to creepyconknoxville.com.
1: and salutations out there, everybody in the sports world. It is another beautiful and wonderful episode of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. I am always your humble and glorious host, Michael Shibley, the man in the arena. Hope you guys are having a great one out there. As always, we've got a loaded show. Very football heavy this time as we get closer and closer to the season kicking off for both college and pro. Hey, and around the country, high school football is getting under way, including here in East Tennessee, so it's in the air, it's great, I'm excited for it, and of course, we just ended with SummerSlam this past weekend, so of course, we'll talk about that at the end of the show, but let's, of course, dive into everything else going on here at stagediverradio.com, you can listen to Modern Day Gladiators here at stagediverradio.com, where of course, you can listen to all the other great podcasts that we've got, including Halfle and people in my neighborhood One Faller 60 minutes Deadbeat Radio J and B's DLC and many more coming to the network as well we got a lot of great stuff so you can check all that out at stagediverradio.com where you can also there's a media player where you can hear all these podcasts right there on the website and of course you can also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And of course, on all these places, please like, subscribe, share, comment, all that great stuff. If you can do that, that really helps us and makes everything great. Again, rate and review, comment, give us five stars. It helps us make this the best podcast network it can possibly be. And we want to hear from you. So, of course, you can comment there. You can also comment at 865 888 0109. You can call the hotline and leave a message and tell us what you think. If you've got any questions, we are always want to hear it I am always happy to answer any questions that you've got if you got any discussions you want to hear I'll talk about it I'll be happy to talk about it and shout you out here on the podcast and of course you can also send us an email at stagediverradio at gmail.com where we want to hear from you as well and again I am your humble host, Michael Shibley. Check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Michael underscore Shibley. And also on Facebook. You can go on there at Modern Day Gladiators, and you can look us up on the Facebook page. We post a lot of other news and notes and different things going on in the sports world right there. So check us out as well there on Facebook. And, of course, breaking news, anything breaking that's big that we can't get to on the podcast or it's just going to be, You know, not timely to do that. I'm going to break in with some live video there as well on the Facebook page where you guys can check that out as well. But let's get in to some of the big stuff happening in the sports world this week. The biggest thing going on, normally, we're not going to talk about preseason sports here on Modern Day Gladiators because it's preseason. It's glorified scrimmages and things like that going on, even though For some crazy reason, you can always bet on NFL preseason games. I wouldn't waste my money on that. It's insane. You have no idea what's going to happen. If you make money betting on NFL preseason games, you are a better person than I am. And also, I think you need to get looked at somehow. But the only thing we would talk about, I don't care about the quarterback battles and all this other stuff. It's just if something interesting happens that maybe can raise some concerns going on into the regular season. And that has happened as, of course, as... I have talked about on other shows is the NFL helmet rule. They made this new rule that has happened in the NFL. And, of course, uh, what it does now is the rule penalizes both offensive and defensive players for lowering their head to initiate contact with the helmet to any part of an opposing player's body. So, of course, they've got these interpretations and all this other things going on there. So people have been concerned now that we've got some of these preseason games going on. You can look at that, and now you've got a body of work to kind of see what they're looking at. But you've got a lot of players and coaches are confused. They're not getting a just kind of a grasp on what they think is going to be the letter of the law. It's very open to interpretation right now. You even had uh, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer saying it's going to get and cost some people some jobs because they're worried that you know some of these plays— You've got a lot of these players who have been playing a certain way for so long that they might not adapt very quickly to playing different. So they're going to work on that, and they might get penalized. They might get ejected from the game, depending on the severity of it. It could be a 15-yard penalty. It can cost some people a game. Playoff implications can be on the line maybe because of these. That's what they're worried about. And then, of course, you have very outspoken... uh, defensive back. He played for the Seahawks forever. Now he's with the 49ers. Richard Sherman saying, and I quote, the rule is idiotic and should be dismissed immediately. We'll be flag football soon. And you can see where he's coming from because he plays a certain way. He was part of the Legion of Boom defense. I mean, that's the big thing that so many of these people are worried about with these helmet-to-helmet hits. And this contact is a lot of times you used to be, if you were a wide receiver who would go over the middle, you pretty much had a short lifespan if you could make a living doing that great on you but you were gonna get worked by those safeties and things catching you over the middle and just plowing into you so it's interesting because they're having to make these changes these all these concussion studies they keep coming out they keep talking about the age range where your brain is still developing as a kid and a study came out uh From the National Association of State High School Federations, this study came out that said high school football participation is down 3.5% in the U.S. over the last five years. That might not seem like a lot right now, but you got to see what happens with youth football because there's a lot of places where leagues, they don't have as many teams, they don't have as many players signing up in some of these youth tackle football leagues because parents are not wanting their kids to play football. They're seeing what's happening With a lot of these head injuries and CTE and all these different things. So, if you don't have the same base of people as kids, you know, the kids coming up playing football, playing tackle football they're going to be in trouble in the league eventually. It's not going to be, again, immediate. You're seeing it maybe with youth sports, and then there's going to be a decline in high school and then college and then pros where some of these great athletes that you see, they might not be playing football. They might go to another sport. They might start doing something else. They might become a professional Fortnite player. You can see how many people are playing Fortnite now, especially a lot of pro athletes are playing Fortnite as a hobby. So that's something you really have to look at and... I know it's confusing right now with a lot of these rules, but it's something we're going to have to grow into. And I'm not that concerned with it right now because, again, this is the preseason. This is when you're supposed to be working these things out and people are supposed to be figuring out what's going on. Now, if we get midway through the NFL season and we're into week eight and they still have no idea how things are going, then that's really some cause for concern. But I'm not so worried about it. Right now, as some of the players seem to be, because there's no fines going on. There's no you know, suspensions going on for games like this, for these helmet-to-helmet hits. So hopefully it gets worked out. I think it will. But again, I have no faith really with the NFL making smart decisions right now. Because again, they've not made a great decision when it comes to the national anthem. They need to make a decision on that. They're so wishy-washy trying to please everybody. And they seem to be doing this with this helmet rule where they're not being just taking a a big stance they're not taking a firm stance anywhere make a decision and go with it and then go with the repercussions from there because you're not going to be able to please everybody with this especially players and coaches especially these guys have been in the league so long that they only know how to play a certain way and that's it if you can come to that and realize it the game I I've said this and many people agree with me that football in the next twenty years is gonna look, I think, a lot different. I still think there's gonna be tackle football. I still think a lot of those input, impl- you know, those rules, of course, aren't going away, but I think it's gonna be a very more finesse game than it's been for a long time. You're not gonna have the purple people eaters and monsters of the midway and the orange crush or doomsday defense or things like that. You know, you're not gonna have Ronnie Lott just blowing people up or or, you know, Dick Buckus is that linebacker who's just going to run over people. Or Reggie White, even, the Minister of Defense. It's going to be a different style of game. And I think for the longevity of the way the NFL is going to have to be, if they want to be a viable entity for as long as they want to be, they're going to have to make some changes. Because, again, if their base of youth football into high school, if that's not there. And that's diminishing. The quality is just going to keep going down. So that's what we're going to have to go. We'll see how this goes through the regular season. Week one, week two, it's going to be really big to see how this goes. But again, by week eight, if they still haven't figured it out and people are still complaining about it, then it could become a bigger issue. But that's what's going on right now with the NFL. I don't care about preseason scores because, again, preseason, don't care. Unless something crazy happens, which it hasn't because it's the preseason. So speaking of preseason, in college football, we're just nine days away as this of this recording from the start of the college football season. September 1st, cannot get here quick enough to see Tennessee and West Virginia go at it. I can't wait to see my Vols get back into it. But the big thing that has come out is we have the AP Top 25 preseason poll has just been released. And we'll run that down for you here real quick. Number one, Alabama. No surprise there. Number two, Clemson. No surprise there. Georgia at number three. Wisconsin, number four. Ohio State at number five. Then you've got Washington, Oklahoma, Miami, Auburn, Penn State to round out the top ten. Michigan State, Notre Dame, Stanford, Michigan, USC, TCU, West Virginia, Tennessee's first opponent. Mississippi State, Florida State, Virginia Tech central florida boise state texas oregon and lsu to round out the top 25 for the sec you've got five top teams in the top 25 uh three of them in the top 10 with alabama georgia and auburn then the big 10 they're another big one here the big 10 has three teams also in the top 10 Michigan State at number 11 and Michigan at number 14. So you've got five teams in the top 14. But of course when you look at that the Big 10 really doesn't have anybody in the others receiving votes category. South Carolina and Florida are just outside the top 25. Congratulations I guess to Nick Saban and Alabama. They are number 1 in the preseason top 25 AP coach or AP media poll. This isn't the coaches poll, it's the media poll. Uh, For three straight seasons. The only other team to do that was Oklahoma from 1985 to 1987. Those are those Barry Switzer, Oklahoma teams back in the day. They were pretty good too. And Alabama has been number one in at least one poll throughout the college football season from 2008 to 2018. So that's a very impressive streak there for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide of Alabama. But again, you look at it, Alabama got 42 first place votes to Clemson's Eighteen Georgia didn't get any first place votes. Wisconsin got one. So that's kind of how that's shaping up. The biggest kind of surprise for me, really, and I'm kind of going a little deeper into the poll, at LSU at 25. I don't know if LSU is going to be that good. I know Ed Orgeron... You know, and it's really not that hard to recruit LSU. You just get all those five-star talents they have in Louisiana and just say, hey, come to LSU. They're going to come to LSU. It's not that hard to recruit in Louisiana, or at least I don't think it is for LSU. But I I don't think they're going to be as good as people are projecting them to be. That SEC West, though, is very stacked. We will kind of see how that all shakes out. Michigan, we'll see. They're going to be better. We'll talk about them a little bit more. I just don't know. They're playing in that just stacked Big Ten East division. That's going to be tough. And, again, one of the big things, too, you got to look at is Ohio State because they're at number 5, but we don't know what's going on as of this recording what's going on yet with Urban Meyer. Is he going to be just suspended for some games? Is he going to be fired? Is nothing going to happen? We don't know, and we will find out more, of course, as that information comes available. We will break all that down for you. But speaking of conferences and different things going on, let's break down the last two conferences before the SEC. Next week, we're going to break down the entire SEC conference. We're going to break that down. Of course, we're going to talk more about my beloved Vols and see what I think they're going to do throughout this 2018 season. But let's talk about two of the bigger conferences that seem to have a lot more power in them as well besides the SEC. The other two big ones, the ACC and the Big Ten. We're starting with the ACC, the Atlantic Coastal Division from back in the day. We'll start with the Atlantic Division uh, or the Atlantic Coastal Conference. We're talking about the Atlantic Division because they have the Atlantic and the Coastal Division. See what I did there? Follow along. I'm, I'm sorry. We're, I, I don't mean to confuse you here on Modern Day Gladiator, so I apologize for that. But we talk about the Atlantic Division. It's, it's Clemson. Clemson's the, the head of the class in there. They've made three straight college football playoffs. I think they're going to make a fourth. They're going to get in there. I think they're going to be champions of the entire ACC, but I think they're going to beat up on the Atlantic division as well. They're going to do it so far. They're going to start with defense. They have quite possibly one of the best defensive lines in all of college football and one of the best historically. I mean, you look at some of the great stuff they've got. You know, Austin Bryant, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, and Klein Farrell. These guys are. They accounted for 25 sacks and 45 tackles for loss last season. That's very impressive. And a lot of these guys could have gone into the NFL last year. They all decided to come back. These guys could all be first-round or first-through-second-round draft picks. They are that Good. Brett Vendival's got a great defense. He's a great defensive coordinator. And, of course, Dabo Sweeney, he can recruit. He's got some holes he's got to fill, especially on offense. Some of the wide receiver playmakers, he's got to fill some holes there as well. But he's been able to get in some young talent. And also Kelly Bryant, who started the season last year's QB, he might not be the QB to finish the season this year. We'll kind of see how some of these younger quarterbacks there at Clemson go. But that defense... They're going to be able just to to keep teams under control until the offense figures out what the hell they're doing. It does start a little tough for Clemson. I do think they're going to win both of these games, but they got a couple toughies. They've got to go to Texas A&M. Uh, on September 8th and of course Jimbo Fisher who had coached at Florida State he knows how to play against Clemson but he welcomes them to Aggieland their college station and then at Georgia Tech Paul Johnson running that triple option that can always be tricky if you're not ready for it just look at what happened with Tennessee last year on uh, September 22nd so it's a couple of interesting games there for Clemson at the uh, at the start of the first month of the college football season, but I still think they're going to dominate this division. Just got to watch out for a couple of those stub your toe games there for them. Meanwhile, the rest of the division, Florida State, is there. Of course, they've got Willie Taggart now as their head coach, and I think he's going to get the Seminoles back to about 9, 10 wins this season. It's going to be a tough schedule. They've got a tough way to go. They do host Clemson October 27th, so of course that is going to be a very big game there in Tallahassee. But I still think Clemson's going to come out of that one with the win. Who knows where it's going to be Francois, who of course got injured in the first game of last season. Or is Blackman going to be the quarterback? We don't know where that's coming from. But I do think Willie Taggart's going to kind of get Florida State back where they're wanting to be. It just might take not this season coming up anyway. Meanwhile, you've got Louisville. They're also in the division They don't have Lamar Jackson anymore. Bobby Petrino is going to have to pull out a great coaching job, but I do think Louisville can still be a viable contender in this conference as long as they've got Bobby Petrino as their head coach, but he's got to coach him up because Lamar Jackson's not going to be there to make up for the holes that they've got everywhere else. On the team. NC State, they've still got a really top pro quarterback in Ryan Finley. Could be a top draft pick going into next season. The problem is with the Wolfpack, their defense that was great last year, they're all in the NFL right now. So they're going to replace a lot of people on defense. Uh, so we got some of those contenders, but I do think it's Clemson's division to lose at this point. I just don't think Florida State's there and Louisville and NC State just have too many holes that they really can't be contenders this season. Meanwhile, you look in the Coastal Division, it's the U again. I'm looking at another rematch in the ACC title game between Miami and Clemson. I also think Clemson's going to win, but I think Miami wins the Coastal Division again. They've got the best talent that's not at Clemson right now. The big question for Miami is, can their quarterback, Malik Rozier, recover after just a bad end of the season? They lost to Pittsburgh in the final game of the regular season, and then they lost to Clemson in the uh, ACC championship game and then they lost their bowl games so Miami just did not end the season on a great note but we know Mark Rick can coach we saw him in the SEC we saw him at Georgia do a very good job and get Georgia you know to a very competitive level now it looks like of course Kirby Smart has taken them to the next level but Mark Rick Good coach. He's there at Miami. They've got the turnover chain going. I think Miami's going to be very fun to watch again. They're not going to take people by surprise, though. So people are going to be ready for them. But I do think they're the top of the Coastal Division. Some other teams to watch out for. Of course, Virginia Tech, the Hokies are always a tough out. When you've got Bud Foster running that defense there, they are always tough to play. Justin Fuente does great with quarterbacks, but he's got to get some more skill position players on offense for them to be a viable threat to be just at the top of that division. And, of course, Georgia Tech, Paul Johnson, he's got that triple option rolling. Marshall at quarterback, he he can run it. If you watch that Tennessee game that they did at the opener last year, running all over the Tennessee defense. And then, you know, Travante Benson is running back as well. He's a good pitch guy to make. They make that option click. And Georgia Tech, they seem to alternate winning and losing seasons every year. Last year they went 5-6, and six, so this year it looks like they're in for a good year. We'll just see how many wins that amounts to. But that's my pick for the ACC. Again, to wrap it up, Miami's going to win the Coastal Division. I've got Clemson winning the Atlantic Division. And I've got Clemson getting the win and the Conference Championship again and heading to their fourth straight college football playoff again. But that's what I've got for the ACC. Let's turn the page and head over to the Big Ten, where uh, I (laughs) cut my teeth as a young lad growing up in Toledo uh, back in the early to mid-90s. Been a Tennessee fan my whole life. My dad went to Tennessee, and of course I ended up going to Tennessee and living here in Knoxville. But uh, we lived in the Toledo area, a small town called Perrysburg and. Being a Tennessee fan up there and surrounded by Michigan, Ohio State, and all those other Big Ten schools, plus Notre Dame, not good for a little kid, even though they couldn't catch me because I still have that SEC speed, or at least I had elementary school SEC speed. Those big fat Midwestern kids could not keep up with me, at least on the playground. But we always got to talk Big Ten because the Big Ten East is loaded. They've got a very tough division as well. Ohio State still has the best talent top to bottom in the division despite what's going on with Urban Meyer. Again, we're going to see what happens with the report that comes out and all this other stuff that goes on there. Will he be suspended? Will he be fired? Of course, we'll break into all of that when that information comes available. If he is suspended, knowing how they're probably going to do stuff, with that, it's probably going to be about a four game suspension if I had to harbor a guest if they did suspend him, which means he'll be back before going to Happy Valley to play Penn State on September 29th. The big question with Ohio State, though, is who's going to play quarterback? Now that JT Barrett is finally gone, it seems like he'd been there for six seasons, but he has finally headed off. He's graduated, he's gone. They're going to have to rely on their defense. They've got a great defense again. Uh, Nick Bosa, their defensive end, is a preseason All American. Just like his brother Joey, he was playing in the NFL for the Chargers. The big thing, of course, again, in the Big Ten, especially in that Big Ten East, is are they going to be able to get somebody into the playoff because they play in such a tough division out there in the Big Ten East? I mean, they go to they could go toe-to-toe with the talent and the toughness of the SEC West when it comes to who has the best division in college football going into this season. So I mean, you look at these other teams that are contenders. In that division, Michigan State, Sparty, they always play with that little brother chip on their shoulder. Mark D'Antonio just keeps them rolling. They had that one stub of their toe two seasons ago when they went 3-9 and nine in 2016, but they rebounded nicely last year to win 10 games. So we'll see kind of what happens there. I do think they're going to be another tough, tough out. They're going to be right there in the thick of things in the race. Penn State, James Franklin, he's a damn good coach. He did a great job at Vanderbilt. He's moved on to Penn State. He's done a great job there in Happy Valley. He does have to replace eight starters on defense, plus Saquon Barkley. They're all world running back. He's off to play football for the NFL for the Giants. He's gone. And also, offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead is now the head coach at Mississippi State. So that's something else to look on. However, they still have Trace McSorley at quarterback. He's a darn good one. He's going to do some really good things there. So we'll see what happens. But they do have to replace a lot of holes. But it, I, I'm not going to, you know, shy away from James Franklin. He's a darn good coach. And I think Penn State's going to be right in the thick of things as well. Meanwhile, you've got Michigan, you got Jim Harbaugh, Coach Khaki. but again, he I don't know if he's really lived up to some of the expectations that they had going in. I think some patience is wearing thin in Ann Arbor with Jim Harbaugh because he hasn't really gotten much done. He's beaten Michigan State, I think, once so far. Of course, they would have beaten him again if not for that crazy punt that was run back for a touchdown uh, a couple of seasons ago as well, but he's not really beaten the rivals. He has not beaten Ohio State yet. And I don't think he's going to do it this year. We'll have to see what happens with that. But he finally does have a quarterback. He finally has a guy that he can rely on. The quarterback, and that is Ole Miss transfer Shea Patterson is going to be there and throwing the ball to the rest of the Wolverines out there in Ann Arbor. The defense is going to be very good again. And it's also tough because I mentioned the division they're playing in. Not only did they have to go... To Michigan State, they host Penn State, they've got to go to the Horseshoe to play at Ohio State. They also open up the season at Notre Dame. That's not a good place to start, and Notre Dame's going to be pretty darn good this season as well. Is Harbaugh being outcoached by some of these guys? I mean, is Brian Kelly outcoaching him at Notre Dame? Is James Franklin outcoaching him at Penn State? Mark D'Antonio got his number. You know Urban Meyer's been outcoaching him. They've been taking care of the Wolverines for a long, long time. So we'll have to see. This could be a very big make-or-break year for Jim Harbaugh. They do have the quarterback, which can make up for a lot, and they've got a good defense, so that's good. I just don't like the schedule that they've got so far uh, going in. But again, that division, that Big Ten East is stacked. I do like Ohio State to come out of it as the winner. I don't think they're going to come out of it unscathed, though. I do think they're going to pick up a loss somewhere along the way. Uh, So, again, the question will be, is it going to be good enough to get them in the playoff? And we'll find out as the season progresses. Meanwhile, out west, it's pretty much Wisconsin and everybody else in the Big Ten Western Division. They've got the best talent. They are loaded on offense, which is not something you usually say for Wisconsin. Usually, they've got a quarterback who just hands the ball off to whatever all American running back that they've got at Wisconsin behind just a big old offensive line. That's Wisconsin football, but Alex Hornibrook is a really good quarterback, and they do have a Heisman contender at running back in Jonathan Taylor, They do need to replace seven starters on a defense that was second overall in total defense, and that's not easy to do, especially when so many of them are in the NFL. So who's going to step up? Who's going to be coached up? And of course, the good thing about them, Wisconsin, playing out West is they don't have to play Ohio State or Michigan State. Neither of them are on the schedule for Wisconsin this year, though they do have to go to Iowa, probably the second best team there in the division. They've got to play in Iowa City, where, of course, they waved the kids in the Children's Hospital at the end of the first quarter, which I think is an awesome, awesome tradition that they've been doing there. Uh, and, of course, Kirk Farrens is just the experienced, solid coach with a good defense. And quarterback Nate Stanley there at Iowa, a pretty good one as well. But they do have to do – do, uh, Wisconsin does have to travel to Iowa. They also have to travel to Michigan and at Penn State. So a lot of ats there, but I do think Wisconsin gets out of there as the winner – in the Western Division, because besides Iowa, there's not really a contender, I think, that's going to rise up and bite Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the big power. They're Northwestern, they're solid, but I just don't think they have enough talent over all this season. Purdue, they got a big offense with Jeff Brom, who can score a lot of points, but they've got holes on defense. So, they're not going to be able to outscore everybody in the Big Ten. In Nebraska, they've talked a lot of big, big stuff, because... Scott Frost, who coached the uh, Central Florida Golden Knights to an undefeated season, they claim they won a national championship. I don't agree with that, but they can claim it all they want. Have fun with it, guys. But Scott Frost, of course, has come home to Nebraska where he won a national championship. It's going to take him a couple years to rebuild and get Nebraska back to where they think they need to be. So again, in the Big Ten, I've got Ohio State winning the East, I've got Wisconsin winning the West, and I do have Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Wisconsin upsetting Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game to win the Big Ten Championship. I've got the Badgers doing that and becoming Big Ten champions. But we're going to take a break here. Thank you guys for listening along here on Modern Day Gladiators. You guys hang in there with me. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back, of course, with our SummerSlam wrap-up. And, of course, my favorite segment, a little bit of shibbles and bits here on Modern Day Gladiators here on the Stage Diver Radio Network.
0: Hey guys, this is Jay Kendrick. And I'm Biggie. And we're here today to talk to you about a new video game podcast coming to Stage Diver Radio Network entitled J&B's DLC.
1: So has this ever happened to you while you are playing a video game? Get good, noob. Your mom looks like Sean Connery and I'd still banger. get wrecked. Well, you're in luck because we have a podcast by gamers. For
0: gamers. Every other Monday, everywhere podcast can be found and at stagediverradio.com.
1: Welcome back here to Modern Day Gladiators on the Stage Diver Radio Network. Thank you guys for hanging out. Again, I am your humble host, Michael Shibley. It's time for my favorite segment, finding some of those news items you might have missed over the week. We're going to get into it. It's great. It's awesome. It reeks of awesomeness. It's called Shibbles and Bits. Ah, yes. The Pink Panther. Still love having this intro. I've had it now for a little while. Love it. Love having it in there. feel like I'm sneaking around finding all these little bits of news, so thank you guys for hanging out with me here on the Stage Diver Radio Network, modern-day gladiators. This is Shibbles and Bits. We're sticking with college football to start. An anonymous coach told CBSSports.com's Chip Patterson about the best coach in the country right now and that would be Nick Saban he said if you had the number one recruiting class in the country every year and would win he shows up at every single game with a better roster than the teams he's playing if you count cheating and getting the best players in the country as part of running a program he's the best in the country so this guy does not really like head coach Nick Saban at all and really shows a lot of chutzpah That you're uh, doing this anonymously. I mean, if you really have these strong feelings, come out and say it. Be a man and say it. Because, I mean, what else? Really, you're anonymous? Ooh, I'm calling a sports guy terrible. I'm anonymous. No. Be a man and put your name to it. If I think somebody sucks, you're going to hear about it here on Modern Day Gladiators. I am the man in the arena, Michael Shibley. I will call people out on this show and I will defend it. Every time. I'm not going to come out and be anonymous. And by the way, yeah, Nick Saban does get number one recruiting classes. Even though this last year, he uh, finished fifth. So he doesn't have the number one recruiting class every year. Also, he's earned a lot of that. He's done a pretty good job. He's a pretty good football coach. Yes, he gets the best talent. And some other coaches don't have that talent. And they're very good because they can coach guys up. Nick Saban won a national championship with LSU and then he went to the NFL, so he's still there doing stuff. So, people need to just chill out with all of that is really what it comes down to. At least that's my opinion on the matter. And just don't be anonymous for crying out loud. That's that's not cool at all. So, to me, it's just frustrating, and I wish the guy would have put a name to it because then we could call him out and be like, I don't agree with your opinion, sir. So... But anyway, we're moving on to another bit of shibbles and bits. This happened in the gymnastics world. Simone Biles, she has become uh, – became the second woman to win the U.S. Nationals in gymnastics five times. She's won it now five times. Five-time champion, just like Booker T, a five-time, five-time, five-time champion. Uh, only uh, Clara Shroth, uh – or uh, Lomedy, I believe, is the correct pronunciation of that name. I'm just butchering names today on the podcast. Uh, she won six between 1945 and 1952. But Simone Biles, again, the four-time Olympic gold medal gold medalist. She's won five medals overall in the Olympics. She came back from her post-Olympic break, and she's been even better. The two-day total of 119.850. She had six more points than the reigning world champ, Morgan, Morgan Hurd, had. And then the 11th place person, the, the point differential between Hurd and the 11th place person was less than uh, the gap between Biles and Hurd coming in second. That's how crazy this all was, which was just amazing to see, and it's just awesome how dominating she is. And that was finished second to the real story of what happened uh, with Simone Biles. Yes, congratulations to her winning and all that, but that really wasn't the lead going in. The lead was the leotard that Simone Biles was wearing during this competition. Uh, she self-designed this leotard, uh, She made, making a true statement with the shade of teal that she was wearing. The teal shade of the leotard was designed... Uh, as with the color of what survivors wear for survivors of sexual abuse. Uh, Biles was also one of the uh, young ladies that was that um, that were abused by Larry Nasser, the uh, the national team doctor and the one at Michigan State as well, the gymnastics one who's been in the news for so much of the terribleness that happened to him. So uh, hats off to Simone Biles for. Just wearing the color and doing this for the victims and being a strong voice with that. So, very happy to hear that with her. And congratulations to her with all that stuff going on as well. Meanwhile, to finish this up as we get the Pink Panther theme back in. We're sneaking around that chicken coop again. Is the uh, Little League World Series has been going on. And always fun to watch the Little League World Series. It's... Uh, it's a nice kind of break as preseason football is going on, there's not really much else going on in the summer, so it's good to have some real competition. I've always liked watching the Little League World Series, I used to play Little League, it's cool, it's just a fun little break and you know something you don't have to go crazy about like all the other sports stuff as we get into football season. I think it's just a nice late summer thing uh, to keep an eye on, but uh, it's not a good thing for the manager of the Australian team, for the international uh, representatives from Australia The manager of that team, he was suspended for the rest of the series for not playing his own son. There is a mandatory play rule in the Little League World Series where if you have 13 or more players, each player on that team in uniform has to bat at least once. If you've got 12 or less, the rule is they have to play for six consecutive outs and also have one at bat. So, he didn't do that. He left his son sitting in the on-deck circle as a game ended, and because of that, he has been suspended. He can watch the game from the stands because he's a parent of one of the players, but he cannot be a coach, which is just interesting. Man, you don't play your own son. I mean, you would think these mandatory play rules would be something you would know and be completely aware of, especially if you're going to be just out for it. It used to be two games, but some of the coaches would kind of, just to advance... They would maybe not play one of the players that they thought wasn't going to do well. And so they decided to just sit him and eat the two-game suspension. Now, you're done. You cannot coach for the rest of that season uh, in the Little League World Series. So, just kind of a weird story where it's like, it's your own kid. You should realize if your own kid hasn't played, for crying out loud. So, I mean, I think that the... Punishment was rightfully deserved, and uh, now he's got to sit in the stands and watch Australia. Uh, so, but anyway, it'll be fun. Of course, we'll congratulate the, on the probably the next episode here of Modern Day Gladiators. We will talk about uh, the winner of the Little League World Series. Whoever that team may be should be very exciting to hear and always fun to watch here uh, on ESPN. It's just a fun, nice little break. Always enjoy it. But that's going to wrap up. Shibbles and Bits, thank you guys for listening to that and all the weird stories that have been going on or just some of the stuff that just kind of faded and fell through the cracks as the Pink Panther fades away. (laughs) I love being in charge of all my own uh, stuff here and making sure everything is going along swimmingly and being at the controls here of The Modern Day Gladiators podcast on the Stage Diver Radio Network. I'm going to keep plugging it because, hey, Mitch was nice enough to give me a spot here. And I'm going to take advantage of it. And I hope you guys, again, are enjoying everything. But we're going to finish up, as we always do here on Modern Day Gladiators, with a little professional wrestling. Let's hop into the ring, get into the arena, if you will, and talk pro wrestling. SummerSlam happened over the weekend. It was the big event event of course, going on, and our national nightmare is finally over, as Brock Lesnar is no longer the Universal Champion. That now goes to Roman Reigns, who, as many of you who I've talked to, I'm not happy about it. I'm not a big fan of the Roman Reigns push, and how things have been going with that, but at least the title is off of Brock, and it's on somebody who's going to be there every week. So... That's good to see. I'm not happy with Roman Reigns, but I'll take it. At this point, I will take it. Uh, Roman Reigns, of course, being all enthusiastic about it, even though he it took his fourth time to finally beat Brock Lesnar, he was finally able to do it and get him with the spear. It was just a very... Hard-hitting match. I mean, Brock spent just as much time dealing with Roman Reigns as he did with Braun Strowman, who was sitting there, because Braun Strowman beat Kevin Owens very quickly to keep his Money in the Bank briefcase, and he came out and he said, pretty much instead of sneaking and stabbing somebody in the back and cashing in my opportunity, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to face whoever wins, is what's going to happen. But uh, Roman Reigns hit him with an errant uh, suicide dive, and then Brock Lesnar... Uh, gave him an F5 on the floor and destroyed him with a chair and chucked the contract. So that was gone, which annoys me because I still think that's the only way to really send the crowd home on a really positive note was to have Braun Strowman cash in and be the champion, no matter who he had beaten, whether it be Roman Reigns or beat Brock. I would have been fine with some new blood as the champion. But instead, they went with Roman Reigns. And then uh, last night on Raw, again, we record this on a Tuesday Roman Reigns went out there and he decided he said he's going to be a fighting champion and he gave Finn Balor the opportunity that he had never had to get a one-on-one match to get his Universal Championship. Because those of you who don't remember, Finn Balor uh, won the Universal Championship against Seth Rollins a couple years ago, but then he uh, got injured and was out and was unable to defend his championship. So, he never kind of worked his way back into the title picture. He never got to face Brock one-on-one for it or anything along that line. So, he did. Uh, He lost. Uh, Finn Balor lost. Braun Strowman kind of came in after that and decided he was going to try and cash in and make it a world championship match. But, that didn't happen either because Braun Strowman was thwarted not only by Roman Reigns but Seth Rollins and the returning Dean Ambrose as the shield got back together and gave him a triple powerbomb through a table. So it looks like that's going to kind of be the direction they're going to go where uh, maybe Braun Strowman's going to try and chase the title that way. We'll see how it goes, but again, this was just the Raw after SummerSlam. A couple of other awesome things that happened. Again, SummerSlam was okay. There was nothing great, great about it. Uh, but there was nothing offensive about it. Probably the best match of the card for SummerSlam was the AJ styles Samoa Joe match, which um, no real surprise there. It went to a DQ as AJ um, Samoa Joe made some comments about AJ Styles' family who was there. And then AJ Styles snapped and hit Samoa Joe with a chair, causing the disqualification. So it looks like their rivalry is going to continue. They should have a great match at Hell in a Cell. I'm looking forward to to that one ronda rousey uh pretty much destroyed alexa bliss to win the raw women's championship and then she put stephanie in an arm bar last night which is well deserved because stephanie mcmahon pretty much deserves to get her butt whipped any chance she gets and thank goodness we've got someone like ronda rousey to do that because nobody else is pretty much ever able to do that at least storyline wise so glad to see that But again, the best matches of the weekend happened the night before SummerSlam over on NXT and NXT Takeover Brooklyn. The five matches all were very great, great, it's outstanding, fun. Awesome matches, as Edge and Christian would say. Totally reeks of awesomeness. Probably the worst match was EC3 versus the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream getting the win, and it was still a very entertaining, good match. It wasn't boring. It wasn't pointless. It was still a very good match, just nowhere near what the other matches were. I mean, you had a great tag match to open it as the Undisputed Era successfully defended their championship against Mustache Mountain in a great These guys have had a great trilogy of matches. You need to check them out on NXT. They have been awesome. Then you had, you know, again, you had the Velveteen Dream EC3 match, which happened. Then you had a new North American champion as Ricochet beats Adam Cole, baby, uh, to become the new North American champion. The best spot of the whole weekend was a great spot. You can check it out on the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page. We've posted a video there. Uh, Ricochet went for a moonsault in the ring and from the middle rope kind of almost a lion's salt. But uh, Adam Cole got up and super kicked him as he flipped over. It was an amazing spot. You got to look at it. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Check it out. I loved every second of that. It was awesome. And then you had the, probably the biggest upset of the weekend as well as Kyrie Sane upset uh, Shayna Baszler to get the flash pin on her to uh, get the NXT Women's Championship. That was awesome. It was a really good match where Kyrie Sane was showing a lot more aggression trying to battle Shanna Baszler, who has been great as a women's champion. She was wonderful there, but she got, uh, uh, got Kyrie Sane in a rear naked choke, but Kyrie Sane was able to kind of flip it over and get a flash pin and get the win and win the title, which I thought was really, really cool. So that was awesome. And then, of course, the main event, the last man standing match between Tommaso Ciampa as the NXT champion uh, and Johnny Gargano, those guys as the crowd chants fight forever. They could do it. And it's wonderful. Another just brutal, brutal match from the two of them. I don't even want to know what they would just do in a regular match anymore. The best one you saw was the one they had in the first round of the cruiserweight classic, which was a classic match, but uh, man, the last man standing match was wonderful. The booking was great. Tommaso Ciampa retains. You got to check it out and see everything that happened there. So, that's all the awesome stuff that happened with NXT TakeOver. You had SummerSlam, which ends with Roman Reigns as champion. Like, I said it was going to happen because, of course, Roman Reigns wins. LOL is pretty much what happened there. Again, these the SummerSlam, it was only about four and a half hours, but it was still too long. These matches, by the end of it, the crowd is just done. I mean, I'm a wrestling diehard, but sometimes it just gets exhausting. The NXT stuff, he had five great matches, and it was done in two and a half hours. And then it could go about the rest of the evening. But instead, SummerSlam, you just got to devote the whole evening to it. You're just done. You've got nothing else to do except watch that. And after four and a half hours, plus the extra hour for the pre-show, I'm done. I'm tired. So I just really wish they'd cut some of the length down. You don't have to get everybody on the card. But it seems like this is the way they're going to go. And again, stock prices are still up. So... What do I know? But uh, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed all of that. That's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of Modern Day Gladiators. Again, your humble host, Michael Shibley. I hope you guys have a great one. I can't wait to talk more. Coming up next week, we're going to preview the SEC. We're going to break down some of the great big college football games of opening weekend. And, of course, we're going to talk my beloved Vols and see how I think they're going to fare this season. Of course, any other big breaking news, we will talk about it. I will talk about it on my Twitter feed and on Instagram at Michael underscore Shibley. And, of course, you can check me out at the Modern Day Gladiators uh, Facebook page as well. Well, I will have Facebook Live videos when any news breaks. You can check that stuff out there. And, of course, check out stagediverradio.com for all the other great shows as well. Haffle Scruffy Little Podcast, j bs DLC, One Faller 60 Minutes, Deadbeat Radio, People in My Neighborhood, all the other great stuff we have there. Check out the email, stagediverradio at gmail.com. And, of course, the hotline, 865-888-0109. And no matter where you listen to our podcast or anything related to that, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn, like, subscribe, share. Give us five stars, comment. We want to hear about it. We want to make it the best it could possibly be. Thank you guys again for listening in for this week. Can't wait to come back next week as college football is itching closer and closer. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I love it. Can't wait for it. But, again, until next time, guys, as I say always, too sweet. I love you. Adios, my friends. Too sweet.